Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am going to give them, to the sons of Israel. Every, verse 3, every place on which the soles of your feet tread, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea, towards the setting of the sun, will be your territory. Verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success whatever you do. Success wherever you go, sorry. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As I was thinking about where I wanted to, we wanted to go this, this morning, um, the word faithful, something that just kept coming up to me. And I, I know we talked about, um, you know, Joshua was not new to this assignment. He'd been with this group uh, for 40 years and, and before that, he was one of the two spies that went into the land and spied it out and came back with a positive um, report. Imagine how irritating it would be. Every time they ran into a difficulty, he would have the tendency to say, I told you guys, if we would have gone over into the promised land, we wouldn't be going through this. And I think that's something that we got to watch for. Um, even though he probably was right, they wouldn't have been going through that experience had they have gone into the promised land. They would have already been enjoying the blessings. But the I told you so spirit uh, likes to attach itself to people. So watch out for that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it says that he was Moses' servant, or some translation says he was Mo Moses' minister. Now, I don't think that he was in the uh, place of a, of a priest, but he, he could have been. I think this refers to uh, operations and, and things that were going on behind the curtain, uh, 
organization, making sure there was food, there was water, the, you know, they were uh, setting up camp correctly. Uh, if you read the Bible, when they moved, they just didn't set up camp wherever they wanted to. They moved in groups, and when they set up, um, according to the description that we have when Balaam uh, went to uh, prophesy over them, is that the way it was laid out formed a cross. So there was a, a larger group at the, at the south end, and east and the west, and the north were smaller, and the temple was in the middle, and it formed a cross. So it wasn't just, hey, go do whatever you want. There was a lot of organization to this. Uh, this morning, there's over 40 people, uh, right at 40 people, that will be volunteering so that this service can, uh, this service and church. So anything from the sound ministry, worship, children's area, if you had coffee this morning, coffee bar, greeters, ushers, uh, welcome table, everything is organized and it takes volunteers. And I'm not talking about fa being faithful because this church isn't faithful. I think we're, we have a very uh, large group of faithful people and I appreciate that and I know that the other leaders do in their area having faithful people to serve with them. But, you know, God's not going to move and, and give his best to people that he can't trust. And so we can become even more faithful or have a better understanding of faithfulness. Uh, we talked about being faithful to serve in ministry is W-O-R-K, its work. Um, he didn't have a negative report. He had a positive spirit. He'd been in training the Lord was working through Joshua a long time before his turn came. So no one is indispensable. We talked about last week that had Moses um, not gotten angry and, and had been able to go into the promised land, Joshua's ministry would have been different. But at some time, Moses would have uh, come to an end of his ministry and somebody would have taken over. Uh, God's always got somebody ready to take over. God's plan will continue to go forward. Uh, I'm not positive on this, but I believe Catherine Kuhlman said she wasn't God's first choice. That, God had act, that she felt that God had tried to put that ministry on other people before her, and they didn't want it. They either didn't like the, you know, I don't know if you remember when the laughing came through the church. Um, we were at Ramah when Rodney Howard Brown came, and prayed for 3,500 people. It was a packed house, and, and he wanted to lay hands on each and every one of them. And as an usher, it was quite challenging. Uh, <laughs> but there were some people that, after that movement started spreading in the body, didn't like it. They didn't see any, anything in it. Other, you know, they, just, they didn't accept it. And so sometimes God wants to do things with people, and they may not accept it or they not, may not be ready to, to do it. But Joshua was ready to take over and step out. As I was looking at the word faithfulness, um, steadfast in, in allegiance. You can all think of a loyal friend and faithful friend. <clears throat> Firm in observance of duty. How about conscientious, a faithful employee? <clears throat> and it could also be a, a faithful volunteer. Given with strong assurance, a binding faithful promise. Somebody gives you their word, 
and you know that their word is good because they, they've proven to be faithful and their, their word is, will bring about what they say. True to the facts of an original, so how about a faithful copy? Sometimes some of the uh, counterfeits are more uh, difficult to uh, pick out because they're, they've gotten better and better. In fact, uh, I understand a lot of the people that have money in, in jewelry will take the jewelry and put it in a safe and they'll have somebody make an, a duplicate and that's the one that they wear out in public because of the, the value of the, of the jewelry. They don't want it to be stolen. So a faithful reproduction or a faithful copy. So faithfulness takes on several different things. Uh, let's look at faithful servants in the Word of God. Let's go to Genesis 24. And most of you know this story. It's uh, Abraham, uh, verse, I'm sorry, verse 1. And this story takes place, verse 1 through 28. We won't read all of it. Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. And Abraham said to his servant, uh, most of the uh, scholars think this was Eleazar, his uh, servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned. Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of Canaan, among whom I live. But you shall go to my country, the land of Ur, I think it is, but you shall go to my country and to my relatives, Take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Suppose the woman, the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Should I take your son back to the land where you came? And Abraham said, Beware, lest you take my son back there. So one of the things that Abraham was concerned about is that uh, he had left the land of Chaldees and all the idols and all his relatives, God had told him to leave and to move out. And he did not want his son to have any, uh, any memory of Canaan. He'd never been to, I'm sorry, uh, the Chaldees. He didn't want his son to know about the Chaldees, to ever been there to, uh, to fight that temptation. You know, it's easier to, uh, to say no to the pecan pie at 10.30 at night if it's in the grocery store. <laughs> if you brought it home and it's in the refrigerator, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So Abraham was determined, I don't want my son to know anything about that land and know anything about where I came from. Not that it was necessarily bad, but God told him to leave, and he didn't want his son to go back. So we see that, that Abraham is very pacific about that. Uh, verse 7, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, who spoke to me, who swore to me, saying, to your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you will take a wife from my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, 
then you will be free from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant placed his hand under his thigh of Abraham his master and swore on him concerning this matter. And the servant took ten camels from the camels of his master and set, on, and set out on a variety of goods of his master's in his hand. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nabor. So it was a trip about 450 miles. So it wasn't like uh, it was just around the corner. This was going to be uh, quite a ways. Abraham was concerned that uh, his son did not marry a Canaanite woman because they were idol worshipers. And uh, you ladies know that you have a large influence in the house on, your, on the men. And uh, Abraham did not want his son to have to fight uh, that. So he made his servant go back to the land where he came from to get a wife. Abraham didn't consider that ever going back since he left, and he didn't want Isaac to have that temptation. The servant was not responsible um, if the gal said no. So his task or his duty was just to go, to look and, and, and find and see. And Abraham prayed and asked that God would go with his servant and give him favor. So if Abraham's kindred would not supply a wife, or if the lady said no, uh, he was free from this charge. We're not responsible if people don't accept Jesus. We're only responsible to tell them about salvation. You know, we can't make people. People have a free will, but we can give them the option. Uh, Andrew Womack says that if we don't share uh, certain truths, whether it's tongues or healing or salvation, we're making a decision for them ahead of time. And we're deciding that they won't accept it or they'll reject it or, you know, they'll embarrass me, uh, all those things. So, you know, you're, you know, God doesn't make you responsible for what another man believes, but he asks you to share the good news. He took 10, t- 10 camels, a trip of around 450 miles, so what do you think a camel can cruise in a day? <laughs> 20 miles? I, I don't know. I, I kind of thought maybe that. So this could have been a month to six-week journey. So he took lots of supplies with him so that they you know, would make this trip. Um, verse 12 says that uh, Eleazar or his, his servant said, O Lord God, the, the God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show loving kindness to my master Abraham. So when you're, when you're on your master's quest, believe how he believes. It may not be um, that this is exactly how you would do it. I run into that, ran into that quite a bit at the, at the lab. We had very strict, and people would, new people would come in and, and they thought they had a better idea. Uh, well, Ford doesn't work in the lab. Uh, you know, Ford has a better idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, you know, so if you're working under a ministry, uh, working for an employer, working 
where you're not the one calling the shots, be faithful to, the, to take in their beliefs or the way they want it done. Um, there may be very good reasons why they want this done. Maybe they tried what, you're, what you think is a great idea. Maybe it's already been tried and, and found it was lacking, and there's reasons that they replaced it. So this servant hooked up with God and said, God, I, I want you to, to give me favor for my master's sake because this is uh, my, my master Abraham had been, obviously had been good to this servant, and the servant had been with him the longest time. Uh, most people believe Abraham was in between 120 and 140 years old at this time. So the, the servant could have left and found employment elsewhere if he wanted to, but he was in charge of the household, and so he hooked up with what Abraham's request was and believed God that they would find a wife. <clears throat> He took gold with him, um, besides supplies for the trip. He also took uh, a gift for the lady and a gift for the family. <clears throat> Do you realize that uh, this servant could have stayed gone for three months, came back, made up a story, said I, I was there, they refused me, they wouldn't even let me in, in. Uh, I came, came back, um, or and I lost the money, robbers got me, or he could have said, well, I, I gave her the dowry and the money, and you know she refused to come, either way, pocketing the money. So one of the things about being faithful is you're faithful with other people's money, whether it's the church's money or your employer money or, uh, you know, you're, it's not yours, it's company business, it's company's supplies. How are you taking care of them? How are you spending money? Are you being fruitful? Are you being thrifty? Uh, there's a story of a, of a missionary that uh, goes to a very remote area, and he is going to set up a, a mission, which would include a school, a church, uh, some kind of a clinic or a place where people could come for first, first aid medical attention. One of the first things he decides that they should do is dig a well. So they dig a well, and in the process of digging a well, he finds out that nobody can speak English except for one man in town knows some English, and, and so he hires him because the man uh, hired himself out for, for wages uh, to be a translator. While they're digging the well, the uh, missionary decides this would be a great place to hide some of the money, so he makes a, a safe spot in the side of the, of the well and puts the money in there, covers it up with the rock, and, and they go on, they get water, and they start building. Well, some raiders come by, and they grab the missionary, and through the translator, they, they tell the, the missionary, we need all your money, and, and the, the missionary says, well, you know, it's, it's not my money, it's God's money, we're here to do some good work, and the, the raiders, they really don't care, they just want the money. So they, they through the translator, they, they tell the, the missionary, we're going to kill you if you don't hand over all your money. So the, the missionary tells the translator, he, he says, well, it's in the third rock down on the north side, just you know, give him the money. And the translator tells the raiders, he's not going to give you the money no matter what you do. <laughs> so um, can you be bought? You know, he was, he was bought for day's wages, so money also bought him uh, or had a big influence on uh, obviously, it's a fictitious story, but um, the idea is that are you just doing this for money? 
And if somebody comes along and offers you money to do wrong, is money going to be have that big a hold up on you? Or are you faithful? Um, are you faithful with the money that's in your charge? Or are you faithful with the, that temptation? So we looked at Eleazar and Abraham and, and that quest. Let's go over to 1 Kings. It's right after Queens. Sorry. 1 Kings 19. And I tried to stay with familiar stories, I guess. And this is Elijah, and he has just uh, had the victory over the prophets of Baal, and now he's uh, leaving. In verse 19, so Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Sapha, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. Uh, 12 pairs of oxen. This wasn't a, a poor farm boy. Uh, he, his family, at least, had wealth. Uh, when I was in Ethiopia, we were traveling through some remote land, and, and I remember seeing an oxen and a, a, an Ethiopian farmer with a wooden plow. I don't even know if there was a metal tip on it, but it was just a single, single plow. And I asked uh, one of the young men in the, in the bus that was with us, what are they planting? And they plant a product called teff. It's kind of a, a grain that they use. It's very drought resistant. So, and I said, well, how many acres will he plant or what will he plant? And, I, and they, they said, well, he'll only plant enough for him and his family. And I thought, well, if he planted some extra, he could probably barter it for, you know, better house or new roof or new tires for the car, I don't know, anyhow. And the translator looked at me and goes, you're thinking like an American. Ethiopians wouldn't, they, that's not how they think, you know. But to see that oxen and that plow, it kind of took me back and made me think, I wonder what it's like in the, in the Bible, you know, what it, what it was like when, they, when everybody farmed like this. There were no John Deere's. Uh, but he had 12 oxen. So uh, obviously he wasn't, uh, like I said, he, he wasn't poor, his family wasn't poor, uh, and Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. So Elijah probably left the road and went to where Elisha was plowing and threw his mantle over him and then went back on, because I imagine Elisha wasn't plowing on the road, at least I hope he wasn't. Uh, so he made an effort to go over uh, to put his, this mantle on this young man. And it says that he, he uh, left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please let me say goodbye or kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you and uh, go back again for what have I done to you. So Elijah had done what God said, throw the mantle over that, that person, uh, pick that person uh, but then he turns around and he says, uh, what, have I have, what, have, what have I done to you? In other words, I did what God told me to do. What you do is up to you. Uh, again, that, that, um, that look into sharing the gospel and salvation. And when we do what God asks us to do, that responsibility shifts over to, to Elisha. And so Elisha 
make this story kind of short, is that he took two of the 12 oxen, apparently, and slaughtered them and had a feast and basically said, you know, said goodbye to all the servants and his mom and dad and went after and followed after Elijah. Elisha was willing to leave everything behind and go after God. Uh, and this comes as a time when the queen was uh, hunting Elijah because of what happened with the prophets of Baal. So it wasn't like this was a golden opportunity and everything was rosy. He was leaving behind wealth and he was going to follow somebody who was wanted by the king and the queen uh, for what he had done in, in God's name uh, to the prophets of Baal. The best disciples are volunteered. They're not forced. So if you have to force somebody to do something to help you, um, that motivation probably won't last. It's probably not a motivation. It's not from their heart. If their heart isn't in to help and to be involved, then um, their heart is elsewhere. Let's look at verse 21. It said, So he returned from following him and took a pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh and said goodbye to mom and dad. And gave it to the people, and they ate. And he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. That's that same word we saw uh, over in Joshua, servant. So he went and hooked up as a servant with Elijah. And then we're going to uh, look at this time period that he followed Elijah was in between 8 and 13 years. And really not a, not a lot of miracles happened. The Bible doesn't talk a lot about what they did. We do know that they probably taught in the school of the prophets. Um, there are several schools of the prophet. But towards the end of Elijah's life, let's go to uh, 2 Kings. Chapter 2, verse 1. And it came about when the Lord was to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elisha went with that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgad. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Uh, from Gilgad to Bethel is about seven and a half, eight mile hike. Um, and verse three says, And the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came out to Elisha, Elisha and said to him, Do you know that your Lord will be taken away, away your master from over, from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho, from Bethel to Jericho, another 12 miles. So they hoofed it. Uh, as far as we know, they walked. It doesn't say that they rode uh, tw uh, 20 miles so far. And the sons of the prophet, verse 5, And the sons of the prophet uh, 
were at Jericho, approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty of the sons of the prophet were went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters. And they were divided here and there, so that the two of them could cross over on dry ground. Now it came about, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you, ha if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be done for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came about as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of the of fire, which separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more than he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell, fell from him, and he re returned and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had, all, had also had struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. <clears throat> Elisha wanted a double, double portion. He wouldn't quit early. He wouldn't quit. Um, he stayed with the call. He got the reward. Many people start something, but they never finish it. Uh, I shared the story about when I was in high school and had to sign up for one more credit of, of PE, and the only time slot that it would work into was full. And the, the coach came over and looked at the, at the people that had signed up and said, won't make it, won't last, won't last, won't make it, won't make it. There were six or eight people on that list that he knew from experience that wouldn't stay with it, so he let me sign up. So we need to see that being faithful is finishing the job. Even though Elisha, or Elijah uh, at three different times told him, well, you can leave, if, you, know, you can go, you don't have to walk this extra bit with me. Uh, Elisha said, no, I'm going all the way with you. I'm going to finish the job, and he got the reward. In our culture, uh, being faithful is something that's looked on and, and is desirable, but not always do people want to pay the price to, to, to achieve it or receive it. Uh, we talked last week that Joshua had uh, a vision, and we have a vision. Our vision is to take the gospel into all the world and to make disciples and to share that gospel. Um, we talked about not turning 
not allowing the, the gospel to be diluted or uh, social interests to tell us what's right and what's wrong. You know, a lot of people don't believe that there's an absolute right and wrong anymore. It's, uh, well, that's your truth. You know, that's what you, you think is, is right. That's fine. Um, that's not what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches that there is uh, right, there is wrong, and that there is a heaven and to, to gain and there is a hell to shun. And people need to know that there are consequences to what they do. And if we don't tell them, we're going to be like what Andrew Womack talks about. We're going to be making that decision ahead of time for them of how they're going to believe. So we also looked at a little bit of fear and what fear does. So I thought I would take a little bit of time and, and uh, look at what the world talks about fear. So I went to TED Talks. I don't know if you are familiar with TED Talks or not. Um, they're usually 10 to 15 minute long clips uh, done in a, for motivation for businesses. And uh, so I went and looked and, and found one that I listened to. and. Um, one of the things that, that this presenter brought up was, um, why don't we want to get out and leave our comfort zone? That was his question. I forgot to write down his answers. <laughs> now, two of them, two of the things that he pointed out, and he, he's a public speaker. That's what he does for uh, a living. And, and he said, you know, public speaking, even though he had uh, done 900 um, sessions on a particular topic, every time he got up to talk, he still had to uh, work with anxiety. Uh, and he said that a couple of things are, is the attention gets shifted to you and the unknown. So think about uh, going to class in a school setting, let's say, and you never ask a question, you never answer a question, you don't involve yourself in the class in any way, because if you ask a question, you know, what if it's a stupid question? What if it's, what if, you know, it's so obvious that everybody understands this except for me? You've brought that attention to yourself, and now you, you have the unknown that's out there that you don't know what to do. So Rob fears us, or Fear robs us, thank you, <laughs> of growing. So, uh, and that's something I'm working through, is uh, anxiety and talking in front of people. So, praise God. Uh, you know, he, he, he mentioned that um, we, we don't want to get out of our comfort zone because of that unknown. Because we don't, and, and there are times that... that um, you know, fear, uh, he, he represented fear as, as kind of a, a reflex of, of danger. And our body senses fear and maybe, a, you know, you're at a ball game and, a, and a, ball, a foul ball comes whistling into the stands, you automatically duck. That's a, a reaction of fear of being hit with the ball. But the, the fear that most of us are afraid of is, is in our mind. We play it out in our mind. Uh, we see, we see and put more trust in what could go wrong and than faith in what could go right. One of the, one of the things that uh, we run into is when we start 
talking with the gospel with other people is uh, we tell people that God loves them. And one of the, the questions that, that is top on the list is, why would a loving God send people to hell? If you start sharing the gospel at work or talking to, to people, uh, that's, a, that's something you'll hear a lot. They say, well, if God loves people so much, uh, why would he do that? Uh, and the simple answer is, it's not up to him. You know, we see in the Bible that God loves people. Uh, John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, we believe that. What kind of love do you want? Uh, I was thinking about, you know, we use love so interchangeably, like the word bank. You can go to the bank. You can take a bank shot if you're playing pool. You go down to the river, uh, the road, go down the river and fish off the bank. The, the road maybe have a bank in it. I mean, that English word is, is and love is some, somewhat the same. So when, when, uh, when people say, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? Um, you can tell them that it's not up to him. Matthew 25, 41 says, hell was never intended for humans. Hell was made for punishment for the devil and the fallen angels. Um, and then, what kind of love do you want when you think about, you know, I, I had a, a, a Doberman that was very affectionate, and in our household, uh, Deb's kind of been the, the dog whisperer. Most of the dogs have gravitated to, to her. And uh, so Bailey, my Doberman, was very, um, very much my dog. If I was anywhere around, he was at my side. He, was, um, he would always you know, come. When I called, he was well-trained. And it was just a joy to have him. But he didn't have uh, a certain level of consciousness to make decisions. Uh, in other words, if I, uh, if I was having my last meal and I sat it down and turned to get you know, some condiments out of the refrigerator, before I could say, put that down, he would have gobbled up my food. You know, even though he had a, a, an aspect of love for me, he didn't have understanding. And God didn't want just to create people that just were love without understanding. When we, when we enter in free will, we enter in understanding. Um, we have to pick and choose. It's so much nicer to have a child crawl up in your lap and tell you that they love you, uh, whether it's a grandchild or a child, and they tell you that they love you, uh, not because of what you've bought them or what you've done, gotten them, but just because they, they do love you. Uh, if you ladies, and you know, I guess this could apply to, to guys too, if you think about uh, maybe when you were dating and there was someone who wanted your affection and you didn't reciprocate that. You had uh, no interest in, in, a, in any type of relationship. And so you pulled out the friend card. You know, uh, let's just be friends. Uh, it won't go any further than that. And, you know, that's... Well, what if God was in a position to force you to love him? He has the... He could do that. He made the decision not to. He wants love to be reciprocated. Um, so you can imagine uh, that person that's been pursuing you and you have no interest in them if they, if they came to you and said, okay, now I'm going to make you love me. Um, that, that wouldn't be pleasant for either person. Um, for 
Second uh, Peter says in three nine, the Lord's will is for all people to be saved. So when you talk to people and, and they they you know bring up that question, well, why would God do that? Talk to them about He loves them so much that He uh, has given them the opportunity to pick and choose. If you don't want to spend time with somebody, uh, it, the most miserable thing to happen is to have to spend time with them. So as we continue to make our and cross our lines in life and as we share the gospel with people uh, start running through some of these things mentally uh, what are what what objections are they going to have what are they going to say what does the bible say why you know and and have a the bible says that we should have a uh, a good answer for all those that question what we believe so today we've looked at faithfulness uh, as we become faithful God entrusts us with more. We saw that Abraham's uh, servant was faithful for years with him, and he was entrusted probably to the, the biggest chore, if you want to call it a chore, the biggest mission that Abraham uh, faced as finding a, a good wife for his son. Um, the mantle was passed from Elijah to Elisha because Elisha was faithful and didn't quit and didn't give up and didn't stop, even though he was encouraged. If you're ever moving, uh, you'll find a lot of people will come and help you move the big stuff, and then they're gone. But sweeping out the garage and cleaning up the last little bit, it's, there's usually not a lot of volunteers left by that time. You know. So who's going to stick it out and, and be there at the end? Uh, so I want to encourage you to be faithful, to look at faithfulness as an opportunity to, to grow, and don't lose your patience. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.